We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. This is Kelsey Jones, executive editor of Search Engine Journal, and I'm here with Michelle Lowry, co-founder of Passion Fruit Creative Group. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see you at our SEJ Summit in Dallas on March 31st. I know it's going to be a great one, and you're going to give us a lot of um, ideas about content and strategies. So I just kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about that today, if you don't mind. Not at all. I'm very excited about SEJ Summit and, uh, and the opportunity to speak about the things that I'm very passionate about. So yes, please, by all means. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so I just, to kick it off, I just kind of wanted to ask you what some guiding principles are that you could recommend when it comes to content and how those apply to all types of businesses. Um, guiding principle. You know, uh, I was just reminded of this recently, as a matter of fact. You know that old adage, that business adage, you can have it fast, cheap, or good, pick two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That very much applies to content. <laughs> um, I think whether you're creating your content in-house or you hire an agency or even uh, a freelancer, um, you're talking about an end product that relies in no small part on talent and skill more than just production, more than just creation. Um, it takes time to produce quality and the level of quality that you end up getting is usually uh, not always but very often commensurate with the amount that you're paying for it. Um, you know, a- another another cliche, you get what you pay for. Um, so I guess I'd say the main guiding principle for any business is if you want quality content, um, be prepared to first, you know, look a little harder for it and then be prepared to pay for it. Yeah, definitely. I know in my beginning freelancer days, I would, you know, look for job ads for new clients and people were wanting to pay, you know, five cents per word or one yes. cent per word. And the sad thing is people out there will do it, like struggling starting writers because they don't know better. So yes, it's, it's important for us as businesses to respect, you know, <laughs> how hard it is to write good content and to pay people accordingly. Absolutely. And there has to be some due diligence on the part of the business, too. It is extremely easy to find a writer. You can find a writer. All you have to do is send out a tweet, and I guarantee you, you're going to have 50 responses in about five minutes. Um, But this is an industry, much like the the SEO and digital marketing industry as a whole, that does not have um, any set standards. Um, There are best practices. There are a lot of opinions out there about how things should be done. But there's no, uh, you know, it's not like an electrician where there's a, a certification and an apprenticeship and schools. And, you know, there's this established industry where everybody has agreed that this is how it's done and, and this is why it needs to be done this way and there's building codes, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, it's you have to look around a little bit and, uh, and, and do that due diligence um, to make sure that you're finding the right people. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I think a lot of people, whenever they start out doing content marketing for their business, they're kind of looking for 
what's going to make the most impact when it comes to traffic and views and hopefully leads. Is there any single thing that you think um, businesses should focus on, you know, right off the bat or something that will always give you the most impact? Um, absolutely. I think it comes down to sincerity and being genuine. Um, offering, you know, we say this a lot, but it is really true. Offering something of value to your audience rather than just always trying to sell them something. Um, people are becoming much more savvy, um, internet savvy, marketing savvy than they ever were before. And, um, they sell, they see through that hard sell very quickly. Um, and they're turned off by it just as quickly. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I firmly believe it is possible to sell um, because let's be honest, that is the end uh, goal for any kind of marketing. It's it's basically a form of advertising. Um, and but it's possible to sell without, you know, cramming your products or services down people's throats. There's a more subtle way to go about it and a more sincere and genuine way. And, and it entails um you know, sometimes putting yourself in the position of the of the, of the consumer and uh, really being concerned about them, asking them about them, and uh, not necessarily always talking about yourself. Yeah, I agree. One thing I've told clients and whenever I've spoken at events is website and internet users now are smart. Um, yes. And they know when somebody's trying to trick them or, you know, capitalizing on memes in order to get more views. And so I think you need to play to the intelligence of the average consumer and your average target audience member instead of trying to think of ways to, you know, sneak in a product placement or something <laughs> like that. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, actually a, a kind of fun game that my husband and I play when we're watching movies is looking for that product placement and, you know, a Coke can will pop up and we'll say product placement. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's become, uh, in some cases, you know, it, it can be very obvious what, what's going on and what you're trying to do. Um, so, and yeah, but it's not, like you said, it's not about tricking. It's just about, you know, maybe your product is incidental to the message that, that you're trying to get across. And again, just being sincere uh, with people and actually talking to people like they're people and not, you're talking to people and not their wallets. Yeah, that's a really good thing to think about. I mean, even if you're in the B2B industry, you're yes. still talking to the decision maker for the business. Even more so there because, uh, you know, uh, for example, marketing agency to marketing agency, they know all the tricks. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you really have your work cut out for there. Uh, go ahead and give it a good shot. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's it really comes down to just being honest and and, uh, you know, maintaining that integrity. And, and again, just being genuine. Yep. Very important. So kind of along those lines, uh, I know strategy for enterprise businesses is going to be different than a small business when it comes to content. Do you find that that's different or do you still think that the overall you know, like you said, strategy for, towards um, genuine content and really great high quality content. Is that the same or do you think the strategy is different between enterprise and small businesses? As far as going for quality, yes, absolutely. That remains the same regardless of the level, regardless of whether it's a small agency, a small business owner, an individual entrepreneur or an enterprise level business. Um, 
it, the I guess the main probably the most uh, obvious way that an enterprise level business is gonna is gonna differ from an agency or a small business is that they have more money to spend <laughs> and a larger team. Yep, that's um, always nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, you know, with, uh, uh, to paraphrase a little bit here, with greater budget comes greater responsibility. Um, I think that an enterprise level business has to be more careful about perceptions. Um, getting back to what we were just saying about, uh, being genuine and not trying to sell all the time. Um, it's a lot easier for uh, an enterprise level business to be seen as the big, faceless, indifferent corporation if they're not careful. And, um, I think it's also easier for them to misuse that bigger budget and maybe go overboard with their content marketing. You know, more isn't always better. Um, having more resources and, and opportunities at your disposal can mean, or it should mean, I think, making more careful and more strategic choices rather than, uh, you know, let's just bombard everybody now because we've got the money to spend. Um, uh, you know, smaller agencies need to be careful because they don't have as much money to spend a larger business needs to be careful because they do. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought of it that way. It, I would think that if you have a huge budget, it's easy to just say, hey, let's just throw money at this. Exactly. Instead of, hey, let's rethink our strategy because obviously this isn't working because we're not getting a lot of traction organically. Exactly. Um, I, I think you could probably compare it to, um, you know, good content marketing doesn't have to mean a huge spend. Um, I actually think a lot of companies need to slow their rate of content creation. We're just, we're inundated now on a daily basis yeah. with content from all directions. Uh, I think it's better to create fewer, better pieces than crank out a bunch of mediocre work as fast as you can. Um, it's like the difference between the publication rate of great novels and then those pulpy paperbacks that you used to find on drugstore racks, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And more for less, but you get a greater return from it. Yeah, I agree. I know some companies just say, hey, everybody has a blog. Let's just blog and no strategy yes. and just, you know, give out crap or republish things. I know um, since SEJ has about a million page views monthly, we have a lot of people that just automatically um, syndicate our content and mm. they'll just basically copy a blog post that we wrote and just link back to it. So Technically, they're giving us credit, but they're not <laughs> creating their own content. And I'm surprised yeah. at how many marketing agencies there are that do that. Of course, it's it's small agencies. I mean, no one really well known, but I'm just flabbergasted by how many people think that it's okay to just slap any piece of content on their site or just, you know, syndicate content instead of creating unique content that's unique to their business and what they right. want to give their audience. I think um, the the giving the benefit of the doubt answer to that is that perhaps they don't understand content cur uh, curation. Um, the not giving the benefit of the doubt is they're being lazy, and <laughs> and it's a lot easier to do that, isn't it, than yeah, to automatic. than to create your own content or spend your your own money for that content? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know it comes down to in, in a lot of cases. Just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should. Not every business needs a blog. Not every business needs to be a publisher. Um, 
that's that's been uh, you know um, a, a tactic or or a bit of advice that has been going around uh, for a little while now. Everybody needs to be a publisher now. You have to be a publisher. No, you really don't. You need to ask yourself: Should I be? Is it going to um, not only make a difference to my business but to my customers? Is it something that is really necessary and really going to add value? to what I'm doing and to what my customers need and want. And if the answer is no, then don't try to force it because then all it does is look forced. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that kind of goes back to your audience is smarter than you, than you think <laughs> then they Then you give are. them credit for it. Yes. yes, exactly. Yep. So I know one problem many companies have and, you know, talking to people at conferences they've asked me about is if they do know that they need a blog, if they know that it would be beneficial, they don't really know how to get started or how to structure a team. And I know mm -hmm. you're going to talk about that in your SEJ Summit Dallas presentation, that building an awesome team is really important. So do you have any personal experiences about you know building a team that you think our, our listeners could benefit from? Um, we could probably do a whole podcast just about this one. <laughs> you, you've gotten me started now. So uh -oh. yeah, I could talk about this one for hours. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually do have, um, personal experience with that. Um, the last agency where I worked, um, actually brought me in as the editorial director to help them get a handle on their content creation because they, they felt that it lacked direction. They weren't, they didn't have anybody on staff who, could judge um, the quality not only of the work being produced but of the the writers themselves um, and they they needed to improve their quality um, unfortunately when when you bring something like that when when you want to make as um, as drastic or dramatic a change uh, as they were looking to make it did require making some swift and in some cases difficult decisions um, removing some people from the team who either were not invested in, in the direction that the company wanted to go in um, or unfortunately simply lacked the skill um, to, to contribute effectively. Um, the next step after that was bringing people on board who were able to get that work done and get it done well, um, providing a little bit of training and guidelines for everybody to follow uh, to create consistency and efficiency. Um, and, and, you know, when I say training, I don't necessarily mean training someone to be a writer from the ground up, just training them in how they needed to create content for this agency and for this, uh, these projects and for these clients. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, it also entailed creating a, a quality assurance process, um, which in part included the addition of a research assistant to the team and a copy editor. Um, so once all of that initial bumpiness <laughs> and, uh, you know, changes, changes like that are, are often not easy. Um, but once that was, we, you know, we got past that point, the result was a very strong team, um, a production increase of roughly 500%. Um, but wow. yeah, but it also, it also brought increased quality and, um, by that, by the same token, increased client satisfaction. Um, you know, a big part of that though was after, after, you know, finding the right people to do what you need them to do, a big part of it is just standing back and letting them do what they do. I mean, if you hire someone for their skills and their knowledge and their experience, don't stand over them and try to micromanage what they're doing. You know, you hired them for a reason. So you have to trust them to do what you need them to do. Um, and, and then, you know, still be available to provide guidance 
if and when it's needed. Um, and, uh, and, and as things change, as they often do, as they always do. Um, but yeah, it really, your content strategy does not start with the first word that's written. Your content strategy starts with, um, building your team. And, and that is probably the most strategic, uh, decision you will make with your content marketing strategy. Yeah. And I think not micromanaging is really important, especially when it comes to writing, because at least for me, writing is such a creative process that if you have someone breathing down your neck, it's Mm -hmm. really hard to write something (laughs) worth reading. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a fine line because we're not writing novels here. This is not, you know, fantasy short stories. It is marketing (laughs) copy. (laughs) So it, it is serving a purpose. Um, but yes, there does have to definitely be some creativity and some creative latitude. Um, because if not, it's, everything's gonna just read, it's gonna be boring and dry and, and nothing but, uh, that hard sell sales copy that, you know, we've, we've already said kind of goes over people's heads now. So you have to allow for that creativity and, and that initiative and let people come to you with their ideas and, you know, again, provide guidance, of course, yes, but, uh, you know, don't be completely hands off. But yeah, don't try to tell people, you know, how to write every single word and, and how it should look and what it needs to do. It's, you have to trust people. Yeah, I agree. So I know you had mentioned when you were talking about, you know, building up the team at your last employer, you mentioned a research assistant. Yes. What about people or departments where, because this has happened to me where they say, hey, we know we need to write content. You do everything. Do you think <laughs> Do you think it's possible for one person to solely craft a content strategy for business? Or do you think it should be broken up? Or, or does it depend on size? That is an excellent, excellent question. And I am so glad that you asked that. Um, is it possible? Yes, absolutely it is possible if you're willing to wait. Because it's going to take that one person quite a bit of time to perform the research and craft a strategy and uh, make sure, you know, look at metrics and actually create that content and then edit that content that you are asking a lot of that one person. So is it possible? Sure, absolutely. As long as, you know, if you want maybe, I don't know, one piece of content every couple weeks or once a month or something, okay. Um, I do think that there is more benefit, though, to having a team, even if it's a small team, um, not only to share um, responsibilities and, and tasks and duties and, and workloads so that you don't burn that one person out very quickly and, and increase your turnover, but for creative endeavors and especially for writing. Um, and, and when I say writing, I'm not necessarily only talking about blog posts or articles or web pages. That gets into video scripts and infographics and, uh, you know, just regular graphics, any, any kind of content that you're creating, it always helps to have a second set of eyes, at least a second set of eyes to look at something. Because when you've been staring at something all day long, you start to miss things. It's called editor blindness. And, uh, you know, you need to have, you need to have somebody that you can bounce ideas off of and that can look at your work and maybe not only point out errors, but point out things that maybe you hadn't thought of, you know, um, when you get into uh, a team situation there and, and you can encourage um, collaboration and an openness of, of sharing ideas and, and it's welcomed. That's when the magic happens. You know, that's when you start seeing some really fantastic things happening. So um, I, 
I think that um, having a team, even you know, if it starts out as a small team, um, there is definitely benefit to that, and and build it up as you go along and as you're able. Yeah, I agree. At, at SCJ, we have two editorial assistants, uh, the writers, of course, and then me, and then we also have a copy editor. So it definitely helps that all the content that is published on SCJ, at least three people are seeing it, maybe yes. more. And the more people that see it, I think the better it is, for sure. Absolutely, yes. And with the volume um, of, of content that SEJ produces, can you imagine if you were the only one who was no. writing and editing and publishing? No, <laughs> I think I, you would have quit already. That's my nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <I can't. laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a lot to do. It is a lot to do. Um, but I do have one tip: if you are, if you do have to edit your own work and or you're editing it before, you know, the copy editor sees it or someone else, it really helps to read your article backwards. So if you read the last sentence first, you know, in the right order, just from mm -hmm. there, I've found that that has helped me kind of change sentences because I'm reading it in a different way. That is a fantastic tip. I usually say read it out loud. Yes. Um, yep, but yeah, reading too. backwards, I can totally see how that would help. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So kind of moving past that, I wanted to kind of have some uh, girl time gossip with you and uh, <laughs> oh, okay. ask you, you know, just us gals without naming names, are there any horror stories of, you know, content gone wrong or either that you've had through a client or you've heard about that, you know, a, a content strategy just kind of blew up in someone's face or they, this certain company totally failed? I mean, can you give us a little tidbit on or stories with your experiences with that kind of stuff? Funny you should ask <laughs> because, um, yeah, that actually just happened last month, uh, with a client of ours. Um, you know, passion fruit, we, we come from SEO backgrounds and agency backgrounds, but we, we decided to focus on content because we wanted to do one or, you know, a couple things, uh, content creation and editing content optimization. We want to do, to do a few things really well and, and to do the things that we like and we enjoy because when you enjoy something, it's, you know, it, it's going to be better. Um, a lot of, um, both agencies and individual entrepreneurs now I, I see are trying to become one-stop shops overnight. Hmm. And, uh, you know, because content marketing is such it's still such a buzzword and it's a huge thing and, you know, it's, it's everybody's talking about content marketing and, and content strategy every single day. Um, that is one of the main things that um, those people are trying to add very quickly is, okay, we have to not only produce the content strategy, but we also need to create the content. What happened with this particular client was they, they brought on an SEO agency to do an audit and to, uh, to perform some optimization. And that agency decided to also offer content to them um, as part of the, the, the whole package. And so the client took them up on it and ended up with about 30 pieces of content that unfortunately looked like it had been written by, I don't know, someone with, I, I'm, I'm going to be so mean, but, you know, maybe an eighth grader wrote it. I mean, it was bad. Oh, no. <laughs> it was really, really bad. Real, I mean, and not just bad grammar, but 
vocabulary choice, um, and then things specific to our industry, linking to competitors. Um, uh, you know, it was just, it was not good. And another thing that happened with, with that volume of content created as quickly as they, they created it, in order to do that, they had to hire several freelancers. I, I discovered they did later. Um, the client relayed to me. So there was no cohesiveness to their team. They saw it as an easy way that the agency I'm talking about saw it as an easy way to produce a lot of content quickly. We'll just hire a bunch of freelancers. No problem. They can do all this content and boom, we can just, you know, give it to the client. Well, when you do that and you're not really providing any kind of, uh, guidance, or strategy to the the people who are actually creating the content, you get things that are written in uh, different styles, different voices. The tone was off. Um, it just it looked as though it had been written by thirty different people instead of having to look like it came from this one brand in this one brand's voice and to represent this one brand. Yeah. So yeah. So what happened was the clients ended up asking us to rewrite everything. Um, and then, and, you know, pick up the content from that point on. And fortunately it means that that client, and this is an enterprise level client, it's a national, uh, home decor retailer. They ended up paying for the same content twice. And so that's, that's a danger in, you know, what I was saying earlier about doing your due diligence and making sure that you're hiring the right people, um, to produce your content for you. Um, you know, that's, that's a waste of money. It's a waste of your resources and, and it's a waste of your time because then they had to wait for this content as well to be redone. Um, it's unfortunate that I, I think some of this comes from, and you mentioned this a little bit ago yourself too, not respecting um, the time and effort and skill that it takes to produce high quality content. It's, you know, it's just, you know, I've heard people say, oh, it's not rocket science, it's just writing. You write emails every day, right? You can write content. No big deal. Mm, okay. Well, go ahead and give that a try. See <laughs> how it works out for you. Yeah. Um, and no, while it not be, uh, might not be rocket science, there is definitely a lot of skill involved and, and experience and knowing not just, um, uh, you know, content creation for marketing, it straddles two worlds. It is, and, and, you know, we've said this too. It's, it's, it is about creativity and talent. But it's also about being able to write for this purpose and write for marketing and write for a brand. And it is sometimes, um, it, it takes time and, uh, and the ability to, to do that. So, yeah, um, I, I hope that um, as more agencies uh, and, and it, individual entrepreneurs try to offer more services, they, they give a little bit more thought to what it is that they're offering and how they're going about it. Um, again, the strategy starts with, with building the team before even the word, the first word is, is written. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, you need to think of the content you write as representing the brand because people do just like with a bad web design, they're going to judge bad content because it's, it is a reflection of your company. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it has to, it has to look like it's coming from one source. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, it's, that's branding. That's part of what branding is all about. Everything that is, uh, created and everything that comes from that company has to, there has to be cohesiveness to it. 
Um, and if you're if you're not able to do, it's not impossible to do with a disparate team. It's not impossible to do with a remote team, a fully remote team, but it takes time and effort to get everybody on that same page before you start giving them assignments and just turning them loose. They need to know what, what the goals are. They need to understand who they're writing for and what the what is being expected of them. Um, and I, I think that, um, and this is one of the main things that, that I'm going to mention at, um, at SEJ Summit in Dallas, you need an editor. Um, without yeah. an editor... Um, that's that's where that cohesiveness um, is lacking, and but it's not just a matter of you know the editor with the proverbial red pen correcting for spelling and grammar. Um, editors that uh, who edit web content need to not only be well versed in writing and content itself, but in writing with SEO best practices in mind and writing for the web because it is different and there are a lot of other considerations. Um, so. Yep, I will be definitely talking about that. <laughs> Good, yeah, and editing is part of what uh, puts food on my table. So yeah. <laughs> please keep telling people how important editors are. Um, so kind of wrapping it up uh, today, I wanted to kind of discuss the flip side of that. You know, do you have any examples of any well-known brands that you think have an amazing content strategy that we could learn from? Hmm. Um, you know, the first one that pops in my head, um, is Airbnb. And I think it was in December, um, that they released the animated video, um, about the Berlin Wall. And, um, it was, the story was a former, I, I hope I can remember it correctly, a, a former West Berlin wall guard. Um, his daughter took him back to Berlin on the anniversary or near the anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall to visit the city because he hadn't been there since then. And through Airbnb, they ended up staying at the home of a former East Berlin wall guard. So, you know, talk about coming full circle. Um, wow. But the thing about the, the campaign was first of all the film was animated beautifully. I I don't know who they who they um got to do this um short film but it's it's just beautiful. And it told a beautiful story and really the role that Airbnb played in in the story was secondary. Um <clears throat> its mention was incidental to the story that they were telling and that's really uh, you know that's something we hear a lot nowadays storytelling. You have to be telling a story mm -hmm. with your marketing. They they nailed it. That was telling a story with their marketing, but they were not telling a story about their brand. They were not telling a story about the service they offer. They told a story about people who just happened to have used the service that they provide. So it was, they really took back seat to, to this story that they told and they told the story beautifully. And that's, um, yeah, I, I can't even imagine anybody being able to, um, to do the same thing for a little while. <laughs> I can't imagine them being able to do the same thing for a little while that, you know, that's one of those opportunities that, um, you know, like I said, they took advantage of it being the 25th anniversary of the fall of the wall and just all of the, all of those little components fell into place. And, and I don't think they could have planned it any better. Um, so sometimes, you know, really good marketing is serendipitous. Um, but yeah, I think that's the main thing is, uh, again, just to, just to reiterate, 
they they made their brand secondary to to the story that they were telling about people and i think that's where that's what made it viral that's where the success came from yeah that's great i'll have to check that out i have i hadn't watched that um, oh it's fantastic i know uh dennis g who used to work at airbnb um he'll also be speaking at the <laughs> dallas event you know what so. i told i i know how to say his last name I, he tried to tell me because I recorded a podcast with him <laughs> for marketing nerds and he tried, he repeats so nice, repeated it to me three times. No idea. So if it's, you want to give it a go. It's Hoda Habyoga. Okay. Dennis, yeah. what she just said, <laughs> will also be at the summit <laughs> in Dallas on March 30th. Excellent. Um, Excellent. <laughs> Michelle Lowry, co-founder of Passion Fruit Creative Group. Thank you so much for joining me today on Marketing Nerds. Thank you very Had much. A blast. It's All always right. a pleasure talking to you, Kelsey. Yes, you too. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.